you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. thinking about um, the miracle of birth. Remember that from The Meaning of Life? Mm-hmm. Every sperm is sacred. That's just stuck in my head now. <laughs> That's so funny because I um, thought about Deep Space Nine, <laughs> which is never a bad thing, but this episode reminded me of an episode of that show. How so? The episode where um, they found this uh, this old Starfleet wreckage had uh, landed on some some like weird, crazy planet, and all the only people that survived were the children. Mm-hmm. And but oh. been there for so long. They and they, they didn't know that the, the ship was leaking like radiation or something. Mm-hmm. So they only lived to be like 16 years old. So they, their whole society for like generations only lived to about 16 because they died of radiation poisoning. Oh, but and, they're fucking. Yeah. They'd been like, they had had like generations of people and, and the, the leader was an elderly 13 year old. I just keep thinking that the late the lady who ran the preschool was a badass because when the zombie apocalypse came, she had a whole bunch of children, very tiny children, and she defended them for well over a decade. (laughs) And from the sound of it, oh, did not lose any. I wonder if if the heads on the spikes were her idea. Probably. She yeah, was children. Was, children, put the heads on the spikes. For a character who we only see lying in a bed, and in a photo at the end, she was a badass. Mm-hmm. I think. By the way, that that was a mannequin. There's no fucking way they hired an actor for that. Um, I, photos of mannequins. <laughs> I look in the credits, and she's there's no listing for her. So, because I the photo looked really familiar to me. She looked looked like an actress, but you know, there's there's a whole bunch of actresses out in the world. I'm sure she looks like a lot of actresses. But anyway, probably, hi, they folks. probably did a sculpt of Helen Mirren and just <laughs> threw her in the bed. Ah. Hi, folks. Welcome to the Zompocalypse Now podcast, where we are discussing the second episode of the Daryl Dixon spin-off show. My name is Timothy Harvey. And I'm Dustin. And I'm Curtis. And uh, I'm. You need to compose yourself. There's there's things I actually liked about this episode, and there's one big thing I didn't like about this episode. Did the same thing I didn't like? Uh, maybe. Um, and <laughs> yeah. there is a question that I have because this show. 
and and how it treats someone being bit and turning into a zombie. The Walking Dead TV shows are so wildly inconsistent with what it means when you get bit because you can either linger on for days going, oh no, I have been bitten, oh dears, or you can be bit and like, I feel faint, and there's just no, there is literally no consistency. It's all driven by narrative. Right. They've even said that. Uh, they, I think the in-show explanation of it is kind of like, if you die violent or like horrific death, like a real shocking death, to animate sooner. Okay, that still doesn't solve my inherent problem with a certain scene in this episode, which we will get to. But there is both something that happened in this episode that we were not looking forward to having happen on this show. Um, And it happened anyway. And uh, and yet, um, they've given themselves an out to something and and whether or not they take it i mean th- there's a very big out for the big issue we'll get to that all right anyway the name of this episode is aloeta which of course is a song that features in the episode of course the the classic uh, by the way every french time children's see song. every time i see a french show every single time if there's a french character or something i just count the minutes until they start singing aloeta and the reason for that is because American audiences all recognize that one. Yeah, okay, bring out a bagel and sing Alouetta, and then everyone will know we're French. It, it's shorthand. Um, but Think the, you mean baguette. Uh, we, don't want, we don't want to have bagels in France. We want bagels in New York. Oh, not well-traveled. Again, we come back to shorthand. The best cheese pizza... I have ever had, I had in Paris. When I was turned, when I turned 30, my ex-girlfriend uh, and I went you think to Europe. get fucking fake cheese in Paris? No. No, it was, no. So we spent three weeks in Europe, one week in Edinburgh, one week in London, and one week in Paris. And Kamala, this is 2000, and vegetarianism was not as... Um, prevalent in in culture, certainly not in the U.S., definitely not in Europe. Ah, they so were she, the good old days. So she would end up going to these really really nice restaurants. We'd we'd go to these really nice restaurants, and she would sit there and go, "I can eat like three things on the menu, and one is salad, and one is bread, and maybe a third thing." And um, it was really bad in Scotland, where they you know barely have an idea of what vegetables are, but um. We found this great little restaurant in Paris that served this incredible cheese pizza. And it's the best cheese pizza I have ever had. Um, and I don't think we actually had a baguette in Paris once while we were there. But, but we digress. But I'm glad we took the time for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm really sharing a personal it. story, you bastards. Oh, nobody cares. <laughs> In chapter three of my memoir, <laughs> uh, no, that's chapter 
12, you heathen. <laughs> if, I, if, uh, if we don't have, if we didn't have something else to do, I would tell you about the Mexican food we had in Paris, but we do have other things to do, so we can tell that story another time. On our uh, food-based, uh, the walking, the walking food. Right. Food apocalypse now. There's still a podcast. Colon, semicolon, things we have eaten with our faces. <laughs> okay. There's an audience for that. <laughs> so we basically start where we left off. The, uh, uh, Daryl and Sister Isabel and Laurent and Sister Stabby are all on, uh, they're, they're journeying to uh, find the other people in their network of, of religious organizations that have kind of cropped up. And uh, come to this town, like they're on the outskirts of a little town, and uh, they are beset upon by some walkers. And uh, can't figure out how they're going to get around these walkers. And the horse is like freaking out. They have a mule and a cart. Right? And the mule is like freaking out. So what Daryl is going to do is he is going to unhitch the mule and let it run panicking off and hope the walkers chase it so that they can get through. And Sister Isabel is like, no, can't sacrifice the horse. For ourselves, Laurent likes the horse. <laughs> Again, it's a mule, which Dustin has actually said, but he will, for the rest of this episode, confuse two distinct animals. It's okay. Everybody who's listened to this show knows I'm not. Well, a mule is half horse. I mean, really horse. identify with each. It's a, it's a donkey and a horse had a baby. That's right. Only yeah. females in birth a mule. Really? Yes. How interesting. You can't have a you can't have a lay you can't have wait. Did you just say only females can birth them? Yes, that's true. Yeah, only the, females the can birth a mule. Fuck a donkey. Horse has to fuck the donkey. The donkey can't fuck the horse. That's what it is. And our equestrian spinoff show um, is also on the way back. Now. So we've got animal a, husbandry. We've got a zombie cooking show and a, uh, a zombie animal husbandry show on the way. So watch tried, for those. Tried fucking everything to get people to comment. Now I'm just going to give misinformation until people's minds blow up. I There's a I, I want that Google to be true. I want that to be true. Only a female donkey can have a mule. I, I believe that now. Anyway, so the mule goes running off, and luckily the zombies all go after it, and Laurent's like, oh no, my horse! And Isabel's like, don't worry, he's gonna go eat apples. And Daryl, his eyes roll so far out into the back of his head that they clatter onto the ground and roll away. <laughs> And so the rest of the episode, our theme is when is it appropriate to tell a little white lie to spare someone feelings or to get what you want or to mislead them to do the thing you want them to do? Everybody in this episode gets, gets 
do it. I think well. that's interesting that you have identified a theme for the story. Right. And, uh, and that's, that's rare. Well, I mean, yeah, there's, everything is about one character or another in this episode deceiving someone else. Right. And it ranges from literally little white lies to spare someone's feelings all so, the way up, up to I left you at the side of the road to die. I'm super glad they decided to really glad they decided to cover this topic. Been yeah. waiting forever for them to cover deceit and betrayal. Right. <laughs> so, um so they are now on foot. They take everything they can from their little cart and they are walking through this town. They are shot at by unseen forces. Daryl's like, get down! And Isabella's like, Sacre-Bru! And so they uh, they all are immediately and suddenly surrounded by uh, a group of wildlings. What were they called? What was the tribe of children from Thunderdome called? Because that's what it is. Oh, wow. I hadn't even thought of that. And that's a perfect oh, analogy. Um... I was really scared, by the way, that Mr. Stabby was going to... And then Flipsy floppied in the basement, and then by... by, uh, That was good shit, yeah. I was really scared that Sister Stabby was going to die in that moment, because that would be the... This would be a very Walking Dead thing to do. Uh Uh-huh. It's like an arrow comes out of nowhere and kills a character. Right. And she is our only currently... um, I never had closure... (laughs) <laughs> not a necessary uh, character at this time. I, she has not been fleshed out in any kind of way, and she is superfluous to the plot, except for the fact that she is a friend of these people. Uh, and that's, you know, real dangerous. Yes, that's a very dangerous place for Sister Stabby to be. Uh, but no, it is a bunch of children who have, have uh, taken them, and uh, they bring them to... Uh, their headquarters, which is old nursery school, like a pri- like a like a daycare center for like little children, and uh, the leader comes babies. out. Yes, babies, babies. Yes. Yeah. it is a it is a it is a infant to four year old school, like you know. So and I guess how old the people are that live there? About twelve. Right. Well, again, the oldest, the oldest, the leader is a very precocious thirteen-year-old. The oldest kids here are probably seventeen, and I think we we see kids who are younger than twelve, which of course is our something like our timeline here. But they also make a point of referencing that they took in orphans as well. So there's a lot of younger children, but they explain that away by going, "Well, we just." You know, a lot of kids ended up without parents, so we took them in. My my first question out of the gate when they when they came upon this place is, where is the fucking Negan that fucks with them all day long? Everybody's uh, got to have this thing that we like your setup. Let's have your shit. Everybody. Well, they do. They do. They have the guy up in the tower, but but it's funny. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to we'll get to him. So. Yeah, it's funny because uh, the little the little leader girl Katniss, she uh, she Katniss. 
she explains to them like Isabel basically fudges the truth and it's like we're all we're on a pilgrimage we are religious people we are a pilgrimage and uh and she even says that Daryl is a is a priest from America uh and and nobody believes it like even the kids who don't speak any English don't believe that and so uh, as they're walking through their place, once they've been let in, once she's kind of explaining what this is, she says that it started off as a normal day. One got dropped off. The older children, the children over five or six or whatever, all went off to school. Nobody's parents came to pick them up. And they've just been stuck there for long, maybe 15 years. With the most badass preschool instructor running this place. Right. Because they said it is spoken aloud in this episode that she says there are 18, there were 18 of them when they started. And Daryl's looking around, it's like, there's a lot more than 18. And like you said earlier, she says, well, we took in some orphans. And so not only were she taking kids in, she did not lose a single one of her kids. The entire time she was running this thing for 15 years. I don't require a spinoff show <laughs> with her, but part of me kind of wants to see that kind of show in the Walking Dead universe. Oh, yeah. You since know, they got to shove a kid in every fucking episode. Carol is a, Carol is a t- kindergarten teacher saying, <laughs> I'm going to fuck you all up if you come after my kids. I think that would just be, and, you know. Yeah, and not only that, the... Um, yeah, that so so she's now infirm. So the old woman, elderly, when all of this started, on her deathbed, and uh, Daryl's like, "Well, you guys don't have any medicine," and she's like, "No," and uh, Katniss is like, "No, uh, there is a guy who is living up in the fort on the top of the hill, and when everything went down, he took everything, everybody's houses, and took everything, and." The implication of that is he was able to run everybody out of this community or kill them or whatever, except (laughs) this old lady and her children. (laughs) You know, (laughs) so Anne was able to keep this dude at bay for all that time, too. She might be the most badass character the show has (laughs) ever had, and we don't even get to see any of it. It's because she's a mannequin. Yes. (laughs) So, so. In in the show, she's actually a mannequin. She's always been a mannequin, and this has been a big pretend thing for these kids. And when that girl went to stab her in the head, she realized this is fucking plastic. What am I doing? There a movie about like a girl's group? It's an old seventies sexploitation movie. Uh, and essentially what it is is a plane with a bunch of like schoolgirls uh crash landed on this desert island and uh they were raised by a nun she died and then the tribes went to war and one group worships the nun as a goddess and the others uh say she's a false god and they like fight and they all have their tatas out the whole time I have no idea what this is, but I, I feel have... strangely compelled to track it down. I want this season 
be that. <laughs> oh, walking think, dead naked and afraid <laughs> i think honestly this is was actually a really good episode because you know the whole time that daryl is like telling isabel you gotta tell him who he is you gotta be truthful with him as soon as he finds out this dude up on the hill has a horse uh, he's like hey little katniss why don't you go raid that place and we get some medicine to help your meemaw <laughs> but he knows the whole time Mima's not long yeah, for the world Mima is not going to make it well and, and the thing is is that in, in some respect these kids have no reference for what it is for someone to die of old age yeah, that's not in their Mindy. they would have been too young to understand what that looked like and I mean so in one respect their lack of knowledge makes perfect sense that they would look at this person and go, oh, sh- there's, a, there's a way to make sure she's okay. It's a medicine. Medicine helps people. And Daryl's just looking at her going, oh, wow, no, she's just, like, really old. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's probably sick, but, I mean, think about it. This woman was probably in her 60s, again, most badass character, The Walking Dead, probably in her 60s going, you shall not pass. And that was kind of it. Yeah. Teaching those kids how to shoot bows and arrows and to, to the point where one of their games, don't they say, let's go, let's go hunt the, the, the dead or whatever at one point. Yeah, I mean, and they're, they're running off, yay! <laughs> I mean, she's... She's pretty cool. I'm, uh, there's no question. And honestly, this kind of grouping of children is something I would have expected to see more. Like, I'm, I'm glad we're seeing this. A group of children that have no frame of reference for the outside world who are not completely moronic sheltered. Like, every single one of those kids had some sort of weapon. And they were all ready to use them. I loved it. Well, it looks like Madame, Madame Dubois is the name of the, the character. That's really all we know about her, from, except for what the kids have say about her. I mean, she, she raised them to speak more than one language. She raised them to be functional human beings who interact with each other like people, like civilized people as opposed to, you know, people without any kind of references for what's right and wrong. A sense of community and weapons training. Oh, and gardening. I was, uh, I, mean, I was, I was also raised on Mork and Mindy, and look how I turned out. You are a fine example. Yes. I mean, the the scene that we uh, that is supposed to give us all the feels is after dinner. The children have rigged up a screen. Well, Madame Dubois did it. Uh, she figured out, Madame Dubois, how to rig up a screen, create a generator attached to a bicycle so that they can play their one Mork and Mindy DVD that they have been watching for 15 years every night after dinner. These kids can have some entertainment. And so Daryl and Isabel and Sister Stabby and Laurent get to watch with all these kids Mork and Mindy, and it's one of those magical moments because all the kids immediately fall in love with Daryl and want to be want him to come sit with them. And like Laurent is making friends, and 
and everything is, you know, really sweet. And of course, Isabel has to be a complete downer about it. She's like, children, they do not know what they are missing. They don't know the other world. And mm-hmm. Daryl's like, maybe, maybe that's better. But look at them. They're going to be okay. They're going to be fine. Well, he says, you can't miss what you never knew. Yeah. And he's right. And for all the fact that we have seen in so many of the Walking Dead communities, people who have not adapted in a healthy way to the to the post-apocalyptic world, here's this little group of, you know, 30, 40 children yeah. and teenagers who are completely adapted, still sane, and um, are I would pretty much say are likely to survive well into adulthood barring accidents um we we did have a moment before where they're at dinner where they ask daryl to pray <laughs> yeah i forgot about that and he's like father daryl will you say grace and he's like what and like and he, <laughs> and he said something that it, it makes perfect sense for daryl it does not make good sense for a priest but for daryl it makes perfect sense and it's like, God, I'm not sure if you actually hate us. <laughs> you, you probably should, because humanity is terrible. But you know what? For tonight, this is okay. And I was like, yep, that's a terrible prayer. Mm. You know, everyone's terrible, but for right now, here with you, whoever those the you is, his his friends or people who are being kind and that's the closest thing daryl's got to heaven is people being kind well we got to see right when he sits down and starts and mork and mindy comes on he's tickled that then for a moment he he gets lost in it and is actually enjoying himself before you see uh, the you kind of recognize it passing through his mind. He starts thinking about home, and uh, his face goes back to the very neutral, very sad. Carol. Yeah, it was a well, really also, cool moment. There's also the mixed feelings that he has for having watched this show with his brother back when they were children and his father of course being the abusive monster who beat them both miserably and turned Merrill into um the monster that he was and yet here was this time where this show and folks if you've never seen Mork and Mindy and there's a percentage of you who probably haven't I grew up I mean the show was on the air back when I was a kid and it was something because there were only like three channels and uh, PBS if the weather was nice. So like an entire generation saw him work in Mindy. Oh. And, it's, and it's not a great show. But it's a 19, what, 19, early 80s sitcom. Yeah, it's, it's Robin Williams. It's, it's what started Robin Williams's rise to fame. It's a great show. It's very entertaining. And so there's just something, again, we come back to, we come back to shorthand and storytelling. 
a large portion of the audience of The Walking Dead is going to recognize Mork and Mindy, even, you know, and and it's going to hit certain emotional beats. And then add that into Daryl and its impact on him and the kids. It's a it's an effective little piece of using something they probably have, you know, the rights to in their library. Oh, yeah. Now they're going to make a load off of streaming uh, on that shit because everybody's going to go, what was that comedy with Robin Williams? We have to look this up. He says, Nanu, Nanu. Nanu, Nanu. And they're just going to make killing for a minute because they fucking, I don't know, they added the seed. So the next morning rolls around. Yeah. And so Daryl is going to take Katniss to raid this guy. Uh, oh, there's one raid that happened before, right? Katniss and uh, two or three of her other older kids to try and steal food and stuff from this guy. And she's the only one to make it back. She was the only time they ever lost anyone was four men went out and three returned and one returned. So, uh, so she told the brother of one of the guys who went with her that he and the others were still out scavenging mission and didn't tell them that they had died. And so this is our second or third little white lie of or lie of omission or whatever to spare somebody's feelings. Uh, so that makes Daryl feel real bad to her. And, you know, then Isabel's lying to Laurent. And, you know, so <laughs> everybody's lying to everybody. So <laughs> they get to this castle, this big fort that this guy is living in. Beautiful, giant castle. And they see that he has filled the moat with walkers. And there's, like, no real way in. You have to, like... And the drawbridge is up. I mean, there's a drawbridge. Right, but it's up. You gotta, gotta figure out a way in. So Daryl starts, starts to teach uh, Katniss about how to make uh, a grappling hook on the fly, but really it's just a ploy to get her to go into the spotting shed so he can lock her in. He's going to go on the mission by himself. He doesn't want to put Katniss in any danger. And he says, you know, I'm I'm better off on my own. Yeah. He wants to make himself out to be a bad guy, but he was being a good guy. Yeah. He's a nice guy. Well, we know it's not like it's not like we're we have to worry about Daryl's moral character. Yeah, but (laughs) Daryl's moral character takes on a different element when it comes to kids yes that's true because for all the fact that daryl is this gruff no nonsense often very abrupt and brusque personality daryl likes children he he's not he doesn't find children yes he can find them irritating there's a moment earlier in the episode where laurent is just talking and talking and he's like how would you like to die daryl he's like (laughs) quietly (laughs) (laughs) and um so he can he can be irritated just like everybody else but because daryl was abused as a child because daryl spent a significant chunk of his life recovering from that abuse 
he has this soft spot for kids and kids who are happy and their protection he his you know he wants to make sure kids are protected yeah and this is not an annoying teenager right so i mean it's 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 a win all the way around so she's got to be locked in the shed for her own safety yes <laughs> so so daryl gets into this place and uh starts like rooting around in there and the first thing that he discovers is one of the kids is like locked in a in a basement room <laughs> and <laughs> and the kid is like you know he comes in daryl comes in and the kid is like you stay away from me you and he's like wait a minute wait a minute, minute, minute. i you're not the you're not the creep and daryl's like you're one of the kids. Are you one of the kids? And he's like, yeah, like, like I'm, I'm the, the hot love interest for Katniss. And, and, you know, he's like, oh, okay, well, should we get out of here? And, and the kid's like, yeah, let's go. But the, the guy has realized that they're there. I'm shooting at them. So mm-hmm. Daryl has to teach kid how to like hold a gun and shoot it so that he can cover him while Daryl makes a sneaky escape to try and get up there to the guy. The kid is the kid is not good at this. (laughs) I mean mean, it's Daryl so it like takes no time at all. It like he's like here you shoot that way I'm gonna run this way and everything's gonna be fine. The kid's like but mister and uh then he goes and it's fine. So he gets up, and this guy is shooting, and like grabs him because the guy's not paying any attention. And, uh, and the guy's like, "Get out from me!" And Daryl's like, "Wait a minute, you're American?" And the guy's like, "You're American too. I'm from Texas." And so they like did a little two step and like jigged around with each other for a second um, before Daryl was like. I don't believe you. And uh, oh, this guy's like, hey, brother. And Daryl's like, I am not your fucking brother. Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, essentially, uh, he takes him. He's like, let's let's take him back and see what, what Katniss wants to do with him. And uh, I tie him up, and they get him uh, ready to go. And of course, because they're not paying any attention... And it's Daryl and a teenager. They don't uh, like put all the things they're stealing from this great fortif- fortified defensible position uh, to take back to their preschool. Um, hey, it's The Walking Dead. If we I, leave I behind a defensible space, it only fits in the lot in the quote unquote logic of the show. Right. We left that apart, um, oh. which is where. <clears throat> This guy is like, I have all these things. I have a family to get back to. And Daryl's like, no, you don't. Yeah, he's full of shit. And he's like, no, they're back in Texas. And Daryl's like, no, they're not. (laughs) Because I've been to the East Coast and the Midwest and Texas, which, by the way, at this point is still a radioactive wasteland. Yeah. Uh, And, well, the radiation might have drifted away enough that it's only mostly fatal. But this guy's like he has he has convinced himself for over a decade 
that he is stocking up all this stuff so somehow he can head back to the U.S. He's clearly a little bit crazy, which right. I mean, in is not unreasonable in the circumstances that he would be a little bit nuts. But he's still also, an asshole. I mean, gosh, could you just imagine? This is this is the Walking Dead's animated series plot right here. <laughs> the you know the kindly uh, preschool. It's it's the Walking Dead babies. It's the preschool lady, and she's got all of her little children, and there's little Rick, and there's little Daryl, and there's little <laughs> Madison, and they all live in the nursery school. Fucking permit. Every episode, every episode, meet old Mr. McGuffin up on the hill, tries to steal their stuff. And every episode, little Rick and little Michonne and little Madison and little Strand have to help uh, Mrs. Dubois uh, defend the nursery school from Mr. McGuffin. Sometimes the walkers, but, but you know, that's more of like a comic relief at this point on the zombie show. Daryl's like, waka waka! (laughs) (laughs) No, little Daryl has a diaper and a little vest with angel wings on it, and he crawls around and his hair's always in his eyes. (laughs) He's like, he's like a little, little crawling baby, and he's got like a... Eugene is beaker. (laughs) Put on your doodle hat and make that happen. Oh, Uh, Oh my. I might, I might do that. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, the guy makes a move while Daryl's trying to like resecure the packages and stuff that they're taking. And, uh, they end up fighting over a one of these pistols. The musket. musket. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, falling... it's the breech loading Springfield. Okay. It was excellent. So they end up falling into the moat with the walkers, and the dude is, like, tied up. Old Mr. McGuffin is hanging now from a rope. Walkers are, of course, immediately drawn to his kicking and flailing. And uh, we get to watch him be eaten from the waist down, which is disgusting, uh, while Daryl makes his escape. Daryl gets to to use his mace here. And this... You know, honestly, I could have seen an entire rest of the episode where Daryl just mowed his way through because he was like, all right, there's a mace to your head and a mace to your head, and I'm going to stab you in the head, and I'm going to mace your head, and oh, I found a rifle, I'm going to punch you in the face. And he was just like, but then he decides that some of the stuff that has fallen into the moat from the cart includes the conveniently explosive canisters of something or other and and um ever since uh the first jaws film there has been this illusion that you can shoot those things and they go boom they don't but um it still looks cool so he does and it goes boom and uh basically ends up with a significant chunk of the walkers either blown up or blown over. Right. He bought, bought himself some time for a very convenient rescue. Because well, Cash- only this entire time, the entire time all of this has happened, uh, the friends show up 
and they decide to take the horse off the cart and then okay we've got to get some rope let's get some okay but we need to we need to do it in a specific way because we're fucking french country people we know how to rig up a horse so we got to get this rope on this side and put it on a yoke right here and then run a rope rope from the middle of the yoke and then we can throw it over down to daryl who's like oh daryl's waiting <laughs> well, you have to time it so you can actually have Katniss go better off on your own, you said? Yeah. <laughs> well, because Katniss in her own little in a little scene that means nothing, um, is broken out of the potting shed by the little brother who she lied to, saying that her his older brother was out on a mission and would be back soon. That kid rescues, gets her out of the potting shed. And so the two of them go to the fort uh, and are there just in time to help save Daryl. Uh, and then saving Daryl, the little kid, the younger kid, looks into the moat and sees the walker of his brother. And it's like, you lied to me! And, and Katniss is like, yeah, that's the theme of the episode! And, uh, and then... She is going to kill the walker of the kid's brother, but she can't do it because she's still just a teen. Hey, I honestly don't think Laurent is a French kid. I think he's been trained on that accent. It just doesn't sound right to me. Laurent is apparently, the kid is apparently an actual French actor. Do you remember in... uh, um, Ed Santa. Okay, there's uh, the kid from Rob Zombie's Halloween was in Bad Santa, and all of a sudden he had a French accent for no fucking reason, and it sounded just like that. Hmm. Well, it's an odd reference, I know, but uh, when I heard him speak tonight, I was like, he's fucking, I don't think he's French, dude. Apparently, okay, but if he's a French actor, I'm wrong, fine, whatever. Oh, I'll get a tattoo about it. <laughs> so Daryl and Katniss and the other two kids go back to the nursery school just in time for Mrs. Dubois to have died. She just she died while they were gone. And uh, Katniss is like, I, w- I was too late with the medicine. And, and uh, Daryl's <laughs> like, no, it wouldn't have helped. I lied to you because I wanted that horse. And she's like, oh. C'est la vie. We are. Is the French way to keep secrets? <laughs> so. Well, I mean, okay. So this is that whole bit where everybody has regrets about the lies that they've told. Mm. But none of them, none of these characters were doing it maliciously. None of them were attempting to hurt someone else or to make them make things easier for themselves. Their goal was to try and not cause someone else pain, which is great, but it also leads to, you know, a failure to uh, address certain things in in a timely way or in an honest way. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's surprising that the Walking, Walking Dead episode actually has a theme to the episode. That's not usual for this show. It's not bad. Right. Just unusual. It is unusual. Yeah. So so that's what happens with Daryl this week. Oh, wait. Wait. Daryl offers to 
to knife you know, to knife the old lady. Um, but then Katniss does it herself because she's you know she's the oldest and she's this has basically been her mother for most of her life. Um, and then they have a funeral where the kids go nanu nanu. Because they because have this Lord of the Flies, that's why they have this cultural touchstone that is baked into their little community, um, and <clears throat> then uh, uh, Daryl and company head off again to Paris. But we have this bit where we did we talk about the orchard <laughs> that the that the donkey ends up in, um, or rather oh. the oh, field yeah. where. We still have we still have Isabel's stuff and Laurent's stuff to go through. Okay, they they both have their own thing, which you know is essentially. We get a lot of his got a lot of Isabel's backstory this week. Yeah, and it's the exact backstory I told you she had. Exactly. I feel one hundred percent vindicated. Uh, On the so, episode, we haven't. An episode that we. The, the 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 last episode. Well, you'll remember you'll remember Dustin saying that on the previous episode. Yes, has has not existed. Craig lost it. Craig lost it. He's our new producer, and he lost it. And this is strike one, Craig. <laughs> so, Craig. if you remember, Dustin's basic idea was is that. Uh, Isabel knew a lady who got pregnant and they got bit by a zombie and then Laurent was born after she turned into a zombie and so he's the chosen one because he I, lived. He and, which we get, but, and we'll come back to that in a minute, because this episode basically opens with Isabel nightclubbing. Right. And stealing from everybody. Mm-hmm. She is a very effective pickpocket. Oh, she's like, oh, my goodness, I'm so very drunk and high. Oh, my, please don't take advantage of me, wealthy people. And then she's like walking out later going, I have a wallet and a credit card and their jewelry and all these things. Um, she got to move some schneef off of a table. <laughs> yeah. And it's really a cool scene because she's she comes out of the party. And you could hear the, the the bumping and like laughing and people in the party and the door closes right. And she's standing there and she's waiting on the elevator and the elevator like some people had just gotten off of the elevator and she comes out of the doors and the doors close while the people are and then those people walk up to the doors and open it and you hear somebody inside scream. Mm-hmm. And Isabel looks over at it and she's like, "I think I'm gonna take the stairs." <laughs> And so she like doesn't wait for the elevator anymore and she walks off. But I mean, she's not very concerned because she pops somebody's amphetamine and like goes on a trip. Um, as she wanders out into the Paris night, uh, just in time to like kind of, um, on of the dead, her way through a portion of the evening uh, because she keeps like narrowly missing seeing a zombie. Yeah. Like a good three minutes. Like she turns a corner just as like somebody stumbles out into the street or or like somebody runs past and screaming and she's like, What's your problem? I'm high. Oh, the uh, subway, the 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 uh 
subway cars go zipping past her. And there's something clearly people are getting murdered on the yeah. in the train. And but she can't quite see what's going on because it's moving too fast. Right. But it, it's very like it's, something's going on and all, like people are screaming and trying to move from from in different into different subway cars. And about that time, she looks over and sees somebody stumbling down the stairs really like and disheveled. And she's like, oh, I'm not going to wait around here anymore. And so she runs back up onto the street, and in the time that it took her to like walk across the street and down to the subway and see all that happen and come back up, like the whole street is now a war zone. And you know, people are screaming, zombies are are attacking people. Uh, a newsie comes after her, and he's not even a walker; he's just a guy like I want to sell you the New York Times, and she's like, <laughs> stay away. He's a walker. Um, and, and yeah, there's cars tearing down the street and crashing into things. There's a motorcyclist who completely wipes out. Uh, and it's all just chaos. Right. And so she is about to be attacked. Her One of the guys that she was <laughs> stealing from in the club uh, shows up in a car and rescues her. She's like, he's like, I know a place where we could go. He's like, I can't. I gotta go back to my apartment and change clothes. I can't. I can't escape this zombie. It's dressed for the nighttime. And uh, so he's like, "All right, you got ten minutes." I don't know. His accent was more British, wasn't it? Yeah, he seemed to be. He seemed to be British. Um, and uh, an interesting character. In on, he, we have very little information about him. And on one level, he seems very unpleasantly self-centered and yet at the same time he's actively trying to save her and i I, there's so many tiny little character beats that we get from him that i would be not at all shocked if we never saw him again but also not shocked if he showed back up because we got a lot of little character ticks out of him um yeah i mean it would be nice if we don't just because He's enough of a character in this moment. Um, but yeah, it's possible. So uh, so she goes back to her apartment, and what she really wants to get is not her clothes, but it's all the money that she's stolen her sister, uh, who is uh, obviously pregnant, but not to Isabel, because Isabel just doesn't have time to pay attention. She'd hoover sneef off that belly, though. <laughs> so, uh, so they they get stuff ready. They, they get ready and they leave. And her boyfriend is like, "Who's this?" And she's like, "This is my sister. I'm not leaving without her." And he's like, "Ah, oh, damn it! This there better be a threesome in this for me." Uh, and so they all leave the city. They escape the city. And as they are driving. Isabel's sister, whose name is not important, uh, starts like having stomach pain. And so they stop at this little convenience store for uh, her to like go to the bathroom or whatever. And as they're getting out of the car, the boyfriend puts the keys in one pocket and then a pistol down the back of his pants and then at like down the back of his pants in the back. And, uh, and they're like, 
oh, sister, are you okay? Are you okay? And she's like, no, I think there's something wrong with the baby. Isabel's like, wait a minute, you're pregnant? And she's like, obviously. And, uh, so uh, they are trying to... Boyfriend is like saying, we can't take sister with us because she's in really a bad... Like, we can't help her have a baby. I don't know nothing about birth and no babies. I'm French. And the uh, and Isabel's like, you're right. I understand. Let me go tell her. And she pit pockets his keys out of uh, his pocket and uh, is and gets Isabel's sister in the car. And then they leave him on the side of the road. Just in time for start shit to kind of start going down at this little place, like like the place is closing down and and uh, and people are starting to get angry just as they drive away. And he's like standing there on the side of the road. So we come back to our deception again, where Isabel has been basically deceiving people everywhere from the nightclub all the way up to uh, this guy, um, mm-hmm. and as opposed to our little white lies. She tells a bit of a whopper and leaves him to die. Yeah. So. <laughs> and he's all like, I'll always protect you, baby, because I'm a super narcissist and I, I just got to be in control of everything all the time. And better ask me for some fucking permission if you want to go outside because you're my vagina and it's really hard to come by right now. I, yeah. think, it would, I think it entirely might have ended up like that if they had actually gone off on their own, but it's yeah, she, again, she it's hard to tell. They, they don't paint him as an obvious villain. He's not a great guy, but he's again, he's legitimately trying to save her. You can see he's pretty chaotic neutral though. Yeah. I would say chaotic yeah. neutral works. I bet, I bet him and that little group from that, uh, convenience store end up having, uh, an amazing adventure together. <laughs> becoming a found family we at a farm upstate. Yeah, yeah, at a farm upstate. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, we'll see so, him again in a week or so. That would be really cool. I would like that. I would like that if it was like he they show up in Paris and he's like, Isabel, how you doing? You abandoned me 15 years ago. Remember? Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> So uh, the next stop on their tour, so so Isabel's sister is like in labor, like having contractions and like, you know, it's really not good. So they see an ambulance on the side of the road and Isabel pulls to a stop in the car and she tells Isabel's sister, hey, stay in the car. And Isabel's sister's like, of course. Isabel gets out of the car and immediately Isabel's sister gets out of the car <laughs> and walks up there with her, uh, which of course leads to her being attacked by walkers. And they bite through her very thick uh, elk skin coat uh, and bite her on the arm. Mm-hmm. And so then they, but they escape relatively easily except for this pesky little bitey poo. Uh, and they end up, Finding the Abbey from the first episode. Uh, and they're taken in by the nuns and the priest. And Mother Superior again. And we see uh, the young version of Sister Stabby 
who liked the children from this episode was also like her parents never showed up to pick her up. Right. And, and uh, we, we see the younger version of the priest who's actually alive now. Um, and he seems, he seems like a nice guy, bit of a shame, really. Um, yeah. Like he ain't bad touching nobody. Right. I mean, that's a win for a priest these days, right? Mm-hmm. The nuns all seem strictly married to Christ, so. Yeah. Of all the places they could have ended up, this was a good one. France is a much more civilized place. It just is. A lot more history. Unfortunately, um, we have a pregnant woman who has been bitten by a zombie. And of course, uh, the baby is coming, and and the zombie is zombying, and uh, and Isabel and Isabel's sister have a conversation where Isabel's sister's like, "Promise me, if anything happened to me, you will take care of my baby." And Isabel is like, "Of course, I will take care of the baby. Love you, but nothing is going to happen with you. You were just <laughs> ominously bitten by a corpse. Everything is going to be fine." They're fine. It's fine. Yeah. Well, okay, but hang on. There is a couple of things going on here that we have to deal with in the world of The Walking Dead. They do not. The Walking Dead universe does not understand what zombies are. So none of this makes sense to them. They don't know what happens when someone gets bit. They don't know that they're when they you know they're gonna, doesn't know they're going to turn into a zombie. Yeah. Um, they don't. Uh, I they really don't recognize that since season right. one, episode two. This is all brand new to them. And so, you know, they're not sure what's happening to her. And then she dies. Yes. And the priest is, oh, and she, she dies, and then she immediately turns. Right. And Just quick nap, and up she goes. 40 literal winks and then she's back up and then the priest is like right we got to cut the baby out which we are luckily spared we get to see the aftermath but we don't get to see the actual yeah well uh, yeah they also skipped over daryl scaling the the moat or i mean scaling the uh the drawbridge it's just he throws a thing and then cut to him going over the drawbridge. <laughs> it, it's understood, right? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I didn't. I didn't need to see that, nor did I need to see the the somebody's little stomach getting cut open for a baby's removal. But they're able to get the baby out and revive him, and of course, the zombie Isabel's sister zombie is now in the back, being Isabel's sister zombie. And uh, so they hand the now screaming baby Laurent to Isabel, and she leaves as the priest tries to perform an exorcism. It's early days. We can't blame him. He obviously, like, that is the first thing. If I was a priest and this started happening, I'd be like, oh, demon. Excellent. Right. I think it it makes perfect sense, and I was actually glad to see it because in the context of... This time in in the zombie unit. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me that we and I, I I don't require them going into detail about what the nuns and priests all came to believe in the years since. But I'm probably I'm suspecting that part of the reason they kept him his zombie and you know around 
was that there's part of them that still believes this is some sort of possession thing. Yeah. So oh, I mean, you know, whatever. So yeah, she wanders down the way and decides, sees a statue of Saint Laurent, and that's how the name comes from. Okay, so here's the bit that I'm con- I, I I have issues with. Because A, Dustin was exactly right. This is the whole thing. Nothing is terribly surprising here. Mom gets bit, baby gets born, mom turns into zombie as baby before baby is born. The mechanism for this in The Walking Dead is not remotely explained, right? We don't know the idea that Laurent is somehow special because he was born he was c-sectioned out of someone who had just turned into a zombie it would not surprise me if this whole show ends up with he's just a kid and these nuns and this priest saw this moment back then when all this is going on in the midst of the beginning of the zombie apocalypse and the fact that he survived the C-section and all the things and they looked at him as a miracle baby and got it in their head that that made him special and that he's just not because and and honestly that's what I want to see because I quite frankly the chosen one thing is just overdone trope um and I think you could get away with it because we don't have any mechanism in this show that's been established for this is a person who's pregnant who just turned into a zombie and now we pulled a baby out of them. It just happened. They just turned. We don't know how, you know, an infant in the womb reacts to the zombie virus that isn't, you know... Well, That's because what... there's there's uh, uh, there's a a thing I know I know I don't know what it is called uh, that can it's it's like a membrane that can protect that protects the baby the amniotic from, sac right thank you mm-hmm. uh, that that they have you know shown can protect the baby from from illnesses that the mother has right. uh, uh, terminal illnesses they. You know, with the proper with the proper medication re- regimen, a woman who has HIV can give birth to healthy babies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is science to back up the idea that maybe the zombie virus does it does did not per, per, uh, uh, permeate that <laughs> the amniotic sac right in the time that it took her to die. Right. And so, I mean, there's because so much of this show uh, with these characters, with with Isabel, it's based on faith and not necessarily religious faith, although there is that, too. But it's believing in a thing, having faith in a thing. And so it wouldn't surprise me if we get to this and find out that Laurent's just a smart kid who has been raised by people who cared about him and. Um, his the fact that he's special is that he just happens to be, you know, special in the eyes of the people who raised him, like all children are, or well, all children should be in the eyes of their parents. Um, but I mean, otherwise, I just don't. I just I hope so because I'm. 
Uh, oh my goodness, he's the cure for the zombie virus. I don't want to see that. Yeah, and I don't think anybody, like, I don't think you're going to hear from anybody who's like, let's cure the zombie virus. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, we gotta, well. We gotta, we gotta get the guy with the mullet to fucking Washington, D.C. so he can solve the zombie problem. Right. Right. That worked mm-hmm. out well. So, finally, Trump has his own little story where he is making friends with these kids for the first time. And he is yeah. like telling them all of the like great daring do and stuff that he has done or that like he's heard about like you know his mother was imprisoned and his father is off fighting the the zombies in the foreign legion and you know and all of these things and the kids are like that all sounds really like you've been lied to buddy things do not sound like the truth and he's like no my my horse is eating apples and father is coming back to save me one day and they're like okay (laughs) (laughs) and this is about the time where where one of them is like hey let's go hunt some undead it'll be fun like yay and so they all run out you know knock off some walkers and uh, Laurent is like wandering around and he finds a grove of apples and in it is the mule and it has been gloriously devoured by, by walkers. And now being fed on by scavengers. Yes. I'm fucking he is, go, found it. He is wounded deeply by the sudden realization that adults don't always tell children the truth. He has a great sadness. He's like a big pill about it. (laughs) Like, you know, doesn't want to leave when it's time to go. He's like, I don't want to leave. I want to stay here with my new friends. And, and Isabella's like, get in the fucking buggy. And uh, he's like, fine. You never let me do anything I want to do. And uh, then he's like, I'm going to walk. I'm not getting in the buggy. And so uh, Daryl ends up walking together. And Daryl's like, you know, never loved me enough to tell me I was special when I was a kid. Oh, no, (laughs) Daryl. Little Daryl. And uh, and then he's like, I don't want it. Lauren's like, I don't want to be special. I just want to be a normal kid. And uh, and Daryl's like, well. I guess that's just what we're doing. You're just respectful. Good luck with good luck with that nine year old. <laughs> we also we also have our our uh, pursuing villain who who at oh, this yeah. point should be deep in the midst of various infections from his wounds, um, but somehow has managed to get antibiotics apparently because uh, he's bleeding through the bandage on his arm, which is not remotely uh, uh, safe in this universe they are living in. Um, But sure, why not? He has made it to the uh, Abbey to discover... Mike Tyson's come back to the Abbey. Yes, 
uh, to uh, discover that everyone has left behind a literal just treasure trove of incriminating information on where they are going. Folks, if this was a Sherlock Holmes story, Holmes would have looked at this thing and said, this is staged because (laughs) there are too many clues in this room. Well, I don't think they expected anybody to be following them. Like when they were leaving, you know, they had run this guy off. They weren't thinking he was going to come back. And even if he came back, like they were going to be gone. Like, what did it matter? They didn't think that, you know, he was going to go through their stuff. And that makes sense, but they left behind exactly the information he needs to pursue them on his quest for revenge. I shall avenge you, my brother. Hmm. Oh, Mike Tyson's going after him. Right. And we're headed back. We're headed up to Paris, um, where I am certain. Because we get an idea from the preview of next episode that next week we're going to, like, meet up with more of these people. Right. And I'm sure that Daryl's going to get a hinky feeling and we're going to end up. Oh, yeah, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of places this could go in terms of. No, I feel like it's very much going to go. Go with the oh, thank you for bringing Laurent. Here is the giant juicer we are going to put him in. We can extract his juices and find out if there's anything special about him. Medical experiments for the lot of you. Yeah, exactly. Well, and if that's the case, then it's then it's so much the last of us that it's the last of us with a different name. So not even not even playing in the same trope field, but actually being the other show. So we'll see. I'm that would be not surprising, but disappointing. But yeah, not so. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not enthusiastic. I feel. I hope that they're going to have something different. I hope that it's going to be something more, like, you know. Well, let's let's start doing some scientific method on this. Uh, but I just don't. Just, As opposed to pop in the blender. Yes, put the child in the blender. Let's let's extract his his stuff and then put him in a centrifuge and and. Uh, <laughs> distribute them by mass although that would be really that would just be wild if we get there and Isabel turns out to be the villain of the piece everyone study his juices it's like we always we always plan to put him in the blender this is <laughs> always you there. Know, this is the blender this is where we take kids to the blender it's We're all this pull is- his teeth first god <laughs> oh yeah I mean they're going- those get caught in the in the spots in the around in there. Beyond yeah, the it's just, and it's a really annoying noise. So yeah, we'll we'll have to see. I mean, there's just the potential for this just being a very predictable show. I mean, I I liked this episode more than the first episode. I oh, liked absolutely. the characters. I liked the kids, which is something we don't say on The Walking Dead ever. Is that the children on the show, with the exception of Laurent, who is still Laurent? Um, we're actually fine. And yeah, they you know, didn't give them, they didn't let them have too many opinions, which was really awesome for me. And Madame uh, Dubois was, and still is, and will be, as far as I can tell, the most badass character on the show that we only ever hear about. 
I just had this visions of this little old lady with like arm to the teeth, just cutting huge swaths of walkers into into giblets. What is the, there's a movie that um is is very similar to that. What is it called? Hang on. Hang on one second. What what are we waiting for? One second. It's called Little Monsters. Oh yeah. And what it is about is a uh, a a, um, a preschool teacher who takes her kids to a petting zoo, uh, and then zombies. There's a zombie outbreak, and so she has to protect her children her preschool class from these and and she's trying very very hard to make sure they don't understand the danger they're in yeah and it is it is very it is a very sweet little movie watch it and it's very fun uh and um it is stars um lupita nyong'o and she is just a delight in this. And it also uh, stars uh, Alexander England um, as a completely useless human being who, who redeems himself by the course of the film. But it's, it's very entertaining. Super fun. Okay. We'll have to I watch saw, it. It's a zombie show. I saw something about a movie that has Rupert Grint in it before Harry Potter. And it's all about this kid who can't control his farts. <laughs> this is a real movie. Sure. And uh, I really want to see it because, like, fucking, there's Oscar-winning actors in this in this movie. They do little cameos. I think Peter O'Toole's in it or something. I don't know. Before Are you talking died. about movie 43? No, 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 no. That's a different thing. This was This came out long before Harry Potter. Well, Daniel Radcliffe had that movie where he played a corpse. Yeah, that was a good one. I liked that. Uh, and a significant horns. chunk of it is is the body decaying and making uh, inappropriate noises. Horns is another good one. He's really he's a really talented actor. Yeah, he's he's great. Makes some very interesting choices, which is not a bad thing for an actor. Or he'd right. like end up in France in this series and be like their buddy from now on. But no, he's off shooting Wolverine or some shit. All right, so we are oh, so we have two we're two episodes in, and we have an episode that kind of didn't over didn't didn't whelm us, and then we had this one, which was pretty good. I mean, the first episode wasn't terrible; it was just really predictable, and this one is much much better. And even the predictable parts were good. I felt like. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll I really see fucking hated that. I was like, "Fuck this show!" When they pulled when they pulled uh, uh, Daryl out of the moat with a fucking complicated horse setup, that tack was like, "You have to really know what the fuck you do." Miss <clears throat> Dubois taught those kids, Curtis. Miss Dubois used a, a, a steel drilled steel- them repeatedly. 
Yeah. <laughs> she she went to the library and she got some books. Oh my god. And she taught them kids. You know, they're probably all fucking safety rated to run a forklift too. Just in case. <laughs> I I if they show up in the final episode as the cavalry coming over the hill, <laughs> I, I I will be okay with that. Actually, uh, hey, that would just we, be. We followed be... you all the way here from our little town. Been in the background, you know, watching your back for this entire time. <laughs> that would be awesome. That's not what's going to happen, though. But it would be awesome. All right, folks, if you saw this episode and enjoyed it, let, me, let us know what you liked or didn't like about it. What do you think of this, this series so far? We're, we're a third of the way into the six-episode first season of Daryl Dixon. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see where it goes. But, um, yeah, let us know what you think. You can find us on the social medias. We have moved from our home at podcast.com to Spotify, which is our new hosting service for the, for the podcast. You can find us on pretty much all the other platforms. Um, if you're not finding us on your favorite podcast platform, let us know. Uh, we'll see about getting the show there, but we're pretty much everywhere at this point. Uh, and um, we'd love to hear from you guys. You can leave us a rating. You can leave us a comment. If you give us a rating on i on Apple Podcasts, that helps other people find the show. Apple Podcast is still the biggest player in the field in terms of audience size, um, and so you know, rate the show. Let us know what you think. We would appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll do this again, gentlemen. As always, thank you, thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim. And again, folks, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. You can find our Patreon if you want to support the show. Uh, and we would appreciate that. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now. Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey. Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.